In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So a while back ago, I got an email from an Art of Manliness reader. Uh, his name is Jareem Gunter. And he uh, he's in, he does a lot of mentoring for at-risk young men in the Oakland area. So we're talking young men in poverty who are at risk for crime and the like. And he was working on a book directed at these young men. And he asked me to contribute something to it. It's all about skills that a guy should learn that a lot of these young men weren't learning because they didn't have dads. And that book came, The Man Book, and it's out right now. We're going to talk about it today. But also on the the podcast, I talked to Dream about mentoring or being a mentor for young men and why it's so important, what you can do to become a mentor to other young men and why even if you're a grown man, your 30s, 40s, or 50s should find mentors in your life to help you become your best self. Also, we talk about just this content in the man book, a lot of great stuff about becoming responsible, holding yourself accountable. We talk about dealing with setbacks and failures, talk about a huge setback that Dream had while he was in college that you know, shattered his dreams of uh, professional baseball. Uh, really interesting podcast, with a lot of great takeaways. So without further ado, Dream Gunter and the man book. All right, Jareem Gunter, yep. welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so you have this book uh, called The Man Book out, and uh, you asked me uh, to be a part of it, which I was really honored. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get there, let's talk about what brought you to writing the book. Um, you have a really interesting background because um, you're a young guy. Uh, I mean, what, you're in your 30s, I'm, I'm imagining? Yeah. I, I, think, I think I'm young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you spent uh, most of your uh, adult life uh, mentoring young men. So we're talking like high school kids. Yes. What, what are the biggest problems you saw in the lives of the young men you worked with? And talk more about the type of young men you did work with. Okay. Um, so the type of young men that I usually worked with are um, inner city youth. So it was, most of them, most of them would be black and Latino background. Um, I thought it was really important to to touch those cultures um, because of the struggle that a lot of them have been been a part of. The biggest problem that I see with young men is just the lack of belief in themselves, and I think it's due to the support around them. Since the lack of belief in themselves is so low, they sometimes do whatever it takes to make others believe what they want to create about themselves. Gotcha. And do you think that that lack of belief in themselves, I mean, did it stem from not having fathers? Is it poverty? Is it not, you know, not having that support uh, network there? Yeah, actually, I actually believe it's the challenge they face. I think they go to every race. So I think that some of the topics that I touch in the book 
are for every single race. So the, the youth that I've worked with is not pr- primarily about race. It's more about culture and the poverty where they grew up in. And when a lot of that poverty is based on not having a father around. I don't know the stats exactly, but I know that when there's this one parent household and one income coming in, it's less likely that the family is going to be successful. And I, of course, a lot of people have made it out, but some people don't know how to make it out and they're struggling. And the kids and the young men in those families have to put a lot of burden on themselves. So they're trying to do something and show something and create something that they don't really know how to do. Exactly. I always tell people, if, they've, if you've never been shown something, how do you learn how to do it? You know, and when I was growing up, I played baseball. And if my dad never showed me how to play baseball, how would I know how to play baseball? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, having that dad around, just not even to like to like show you specifically, like sit down and show you, hey, son, this is how you do it. But just being a model, you learn a lot through osmosis as a, as a, as a kid. I tell people all the time, I say, for me as a man, every child I come in contact with, I need to make, make sure that a child's watching me. So whatever I do, I act like a child's watching me. So I don't want to do anything that I wouldn't want a young man or, um, or a young woman also to see. So I try to make sure I live my life in an area where somebody can watch me and learn from me. I have actually a two-year-old son currently, but even before he was born, I still had a lot of young men that I was connected to. And I wanted to make sure that I showed them a model of how to, how to walk and how to talk and how to do certain things. Yeah. And becoming a so, dad definitely makes you more self-conscious of how you act. Cause you, you realize, I mean, Mike, my, my son's like five and like, he's, you, you, you realize you don't think they're watching, but they are. Cause like, he's done stuff that like, I did that. And like, I'm like, that's the only where the only place he learned that, you know, to do that. Like it was from me and I didn't sit exactly. down and teach him how to do it. A lot of times we don't even know that they're watching us. So for example, I hate, and it's going to be terrible. It's going to, you're going to hate this, but I hate vegetables. Like I hate vegetables and I eat, I eat my meat, but I don't eat the vegetables like I should. And my son is two years old and now he doesn't eat his vegetables. And I'm watching him like, why won't you eat your vegetables? And I'm starting to realize that maybe he sees dad not eat his vegetables. And I've never told him, I always tell him to eat his vegetables, but it's just because he watches and he sees what I do. Yeah. They're always watching. So like when, in, in the beginning of the book, I talk about, a young man, and the re- this is the reason why I wrote the book. I took these young men to see a motivational speaker, and I don't know if you know who Tony Robbins is, but I took them to see Tony Robbins, and we're in a hotel room, and we're listening to music, and one of the young men was talking about how his father lived actually a block away from him. So basically, in my program, I had him in my program, and I had his brother. His brother lived with his dad, and his brother would come to the program every Saturday and say, hey, dad told me to tell you hi. And the young boy was 18 years old. He said, I don't understand why... My brother's always telling me that my dad says hi. Why can't he call me? He only lives a block away from me. He says, I'm 18 years old. I don't know how to tie a tie. I don't know how to talk to a young woman. I just don't know how to do things that I feel like a father is supposed to teach a son. And all I know is about everybody that's shown me on my, in my neighborhood how to, how to do these man, man things. And they don't do it in the right way. So that's when I said, what, what can I do? Like, I know my role is to be these young men's mentors, but what can I do to help other young men get over that hump of, of learning how to deal with that, you know, with the loss of a father or just getting that manhood advice from somebody. So that's why the book was created. Gotcha. Not, yeah, it's, the man book's office, it's, like this, it's got a lot of great photos in it and it's littered with different like man skills that you wish, you know, that dads are supposed to teach their, their sons. But you start off the book Thank you. talking about um, accountability and responsibility. Why is that? Mm-hmm. The reason I started off with that is because I feel like men in general have an issue with accountability. It is all, it's always someone else's fault 
you know, when we do certain things, it's it's not my fault, but it's somebody else's fault all the time. Accountability means letting go of your act, let your, let your actions rise above your excuses. In the book, I talk about three steps of accountability. Um, it's like the, in the beginning, it's taking responsibility. During it is empowering yourself. And after is accepting personal responsibility. Gotcha. And and how can a man develop more accountability and responsibility lives? Even like, you know, even like I've, I've noticed myself, I'll do that too. Like the whole, like something wrong happens and then I'll just like, I'll blame something else. And I'm like, well, I probably should step mm-hmm. up and take. So, I mean, even if you're, if a man's in his twenties, thirties, what can they do to develop more accountability in their lives? Is it a matter of getting a group of friends that hold them accountable? Is it just holding themselves mm-hmm. accountable? I think actually it's everything combined into one, you know, it's having a mate that holds you accountable. It's about having friends that hold you accountable and also yourself. And I think that's the biggest part is holding yourself accountable because I know if I do something or even if I don't do something, if I'm a part of something, then it's my responsibility to give my part. I know in the book I talk about if you're in a group, a study group and you're all have a certain project going on and the person in your, in your group doesn't do a certain part. And then you end up not doing your part either. And then you guys get an F and then you get mad and you say, you know, they didn't do their part. So that's why we failed. But you have to realize that you didn't also do your part and you didn't also do the part to the level that it should be at, you know? So you have to take responsibility for your actions in every aspect of your life. And I think that's really huge in young men because as we're growing up, we just like children. So like I was saying, my son's two and he might do something. And I say, you know, Josiah, my son's name is Josiah. I'll say Josiah. You know, did you, going back to vegetables, did you eat your vegetables? And he'll say yes, knowing he didn't eat his vegetables. And I, I, I'm thinking about how did a young child that's two years old already learn how to lie and already learn how to not be accountable? So I think it's it's kind of inherited and in, in, um, all, like just as as young people, as grown people, we just don't take accountability for our actions. And adults, grandparents, every a lot of people don't take accountability. And I think that's huge in our in our world today is being accountable for the things that you are a part of. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, you move on and you talk about, I thought this was really interesting. You talk about three approaches or three levels of how people approach life. Can you mm-hmm. talk about what those levels are? Yeah. So the levels are uh, survivalist success and significance. And I think that most people, they want in life to have number three, the most, but they want to do it while getting number two, which is, so they want to do it with significance, but they want to get it while they're getting success. So like if you're getting success, but you're not significant, sometimes people can just deal with that, you know, or if you're significant, but then you're, you're, you're broke and you don't have any money, you know, you're like, what's going on. And I think the goal is to how, how do you create all of that into one? Gotcha. And so, so just to clarify, so survivalist is like, you're just trying to get by right. And like, yes, Bare bones is necessity, and success is is when we talk about success. Are we, just, are we t- talking about primarily financial success? And actually, no, we're talking about all types of success, but just living a comfortable life. Okay, all right, and then significance is I'm I'm guessing is just like living a life of meaning or leaving having yes. a larger purpose and leaving a legacy. Exactly, living with purpose. So in the book, I talk about four steps you have to take to get a significant life, and actually to create all three, and and without. If you miss even one of those steps, it's hard to create that significant life that you want to create. And I, the, the, the steps are passion, confidence, goal, and lifestyle. And what I mean by passion is before anything starts, you have to get a passion for something. As I was saying, when I was younger, I played, or not in college, I played baseball. 
And my passion was being the best player I could be. I had a passion for baseball. When I wrote this book, I had a passion for changing young people. And and it's actually kind of crazy, going off topic, but the book was for young people and young men that grew up without a father. But the feedback I've been getting from people is that this book has been beneficial to all men. So not just the younger men that I thought that I was writing the book for, but it's been beneficial for all men. And also even women are having that have sons or, or trying to just know more about how a, a man should act. That's just side note. But passion is about what, what does your heart really desire? And confidence is huge because if you can't create confidence in yourself, other people are believing you also. And, and when I mean confidence, I don't mean cocky. I mean that you really believe that your passion is important and you have confidence that what you're, what you're passionate about is, is, is helpful to somebody else. When you do goals, I talk about SMART goals. And I know in school, they always talk about SMART goals, which are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. So you have these goals that you have to create and write down your goals that's based off your confidence and your passion. And the biggest part that I feel like is, is lifestyle. You know, a lot of times we have passion for something. So say we want to change the world or we want to, um, I don't know, if, if, if you want to cure um, the, the water epidemic that we have, you know, and then in your lifestyle, you continue to drink bottled water. You know, whatever you, whatever you say your passion is and what you're confident in and what your goals are, your lifestyle has to match that. So if you want to be a person that wants to, like, lift up women and make sure women are living successful, but you're always dating 10 women at a time, then you're, you're not living the lifestyle of what you're trying to create. So basically, you're just saying, like, walk the talk, right? Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that happen a lot where people, yeah, they have, they have this idea or ideal that they, they want to strive for, but they don't actually live up to it or actually put that into action. All right. So, uh, you talk, this is kind of interesting. You had this section about vulnerability and we don't really associate that like being vulnerable as a guy thing. Like that's not masculine, but you explained vulnerability in kind of a different way that made it like, okay, that, that makes sense. What do you mean by mm-hmm. vulner- like a man should be vulnerable? Yeah, so like most men have been taught to hide who they really are, you know, or, or I won't even say hide who they really are. They've been taught to hide their feelings. You know, we, we're, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to get upset, be tough, and laugh. We don't really show the other emotions, or we're not supposed to show those other emotions. And I think one of the biggest points when I talk to women is I always hear women complain about, the thing that they have issues with with men is that we always shut down. You know, when we get upset, we shut down. We don't want to be touched. We don't want to be talked to. We just want to shut down and go into our own cave. And, and I feel like this, that's the biggest issue in this world today. And that's why I feel like people get killed. People get hurt. I feel like that's why a lot of things happen is because we hold so much in us until we explode. And then we explode. And then that's when we kill somebody or that's when something happens, you know, because we're holding so much anger and so much frustration in us instead of being able to let it out and talk to somebody or be vulnerable, open up to, even if it's just open up to the people close to you, but you have to be able to let something out. And I heard this one time that before you can even receive something. So, all right, let me actually give you an example. So if I decide that I want to give up smoking, right? I have to, if I give up smoking, I have to uh, combat that something with something else. So if I let go of that, I have to get something else, right? So I can't just say I'm going to stop smoking and then just stop cold turkey. If I say I'm going to stop smoking, I need to uh, maybe work out at that time that I feel like I have to smoke. 
So something has to change that, that desire to smoke. So that's the same thing with, with being vulnerable. We have to have something that can, can heal us from that hurt or something that can take over that hurt. So when, instead of us just holding it all in, we have to be able to let it go to get something else into us, right? We can't even receive anything if we're holding so much hurt into us and so much frustration into us. So we can't love if we're not being vulnerable. So it all comes together. If we don't open up, we can't, we can't receive anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, I like how you also talk in the book about how uh, vulnerability is like the, the first step towards self-improvement in a lot of ways. Right, like you have in, to in all aspects. Yeah, because you have. I mean, basically, being vulnerable is like admitting, like, I don't have all the answers. I'm not good yeah. at this thing, and like that. I mean, I know for a lot of guys, like, that's kind of that sucks. Like, you don't want to admit that, like, you're incompetent or you're not good at something. Right, you're supposed to put on this, you know, uh, front that like you you have it together. But if you want to actually get better, you have to admit and be vulnerable and like say, hey, I don't know how to like tie a tie. Can you show me how? And how many men want to do that, especially to another man? You know? Yeah, no, yeah. And, and, then, and, and, and also, the funny, if, I mean, we make jokes about it a lot, but, you know, if we're driving around and we have a woman in our passenger seat, we don't want to stop and ask for directions yeah. because we have to feel like we know it all. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, it's funny, but it's true because we, we have to always show that we are a man's man. Instead of saying, you know what, I don't know how to get there. Let me give directions. Yeah. You know, thank God for now our iPhones and, and our, our our cellular device that can give us directions, so we don't have to ask anybody else. But you know, it's 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 just the 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 true statement that men have an issue with giving themselves up. Yeah. Or feeling not even giving them feeling like they're giving themselves up. Yeah. Like they they we like I feel like we let ego get in the way sometimes, yeah. right? Of of a, of a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, that happens to a lot. I mean, I, I just like, here's a perfect example of my own life of uh, vulnerability is like, I'm, li- I'm lifting weights, right? And I'm trying to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a, a coach that I go to and like, I send him my, my uh, videos of my lifts so he can critique them. And today's lifts, like they just mm-hmm. sucked. I just, I was not feeling good this morning and they were terrible mm-hmm. and I knew they were terrible, but I had sent them into him anyway. Cause I knew like, he's going to have advice for me what to do. Um, so I kind of have to admit, like, I, this suck, I, I sucked right now, but I need your help. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's going to send feedback to me. That's going to help me get better and improve upon that. So mm-hmm. it all starts with like opening yourself and letting go of the ego. Yep. And working out is probably is one of the, one of the biggest parts, you know, just like if we're, if we need a spot in the gym, a lot of times we're like, no, we don't want to ask for a spot because we got this. And then the weight gets too heavy and it's stuck <laughs> on our chest and we can't even pick it up. And then you die. We want to show that we, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O 
C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of known in negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. All right. Um, all right. So uh, you move on. That is really interesting. You talk about the the three Fs plus one as the mm-hmm. backbone of being a man. Can you explain what the three Fs plus one is? Yeah. So three Fs are fight, failure, fear, and then the plus one is fate. Um, you know, I feel like every man has been taught these things, right? And it could be good or bad, but, and even if it's, you don't have a father around, but everybody's been taught, you know, that you fight, you know, there's failures, there's fear, and there's faith. But you, I mean, we might've all been taught differently, but we've all been taught these things. Um, And even if people don't agree with my points in this book, everybody agrees with these four things 
are something that we live with day to day in, in every aspect of our life. We are either fighting, you know, for what we believe, or we're not fighting because we're, we're, we have, we're fearful that we're going to fail in what we believe in, or we're fighting because we have the faith to believe that what we're fighting for is right. And it can be in every aspect. So um, I think fight, failure, fear, and faith are important in our life. And I just, what I put in this book was trying to simplify that into understanding why these things are important for us and why they matter. And maybe not in the same way everybody else sees them. Gotcha. So, Drew, here's a question. So you uh, work with a lot of at-risk youth. The, 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 the sad thing about poverty or like the the young men who are at risk like it, it's a it's a it can be, oftentimes be a cycle right it just goes on oh, and always on, right? always yes always so how do you break out of that i mean you talk about uh you know men need to become a changeover but like how do you do that how do you actually escape from your past and, and what are the biggest obstacles that prevent young men from letting go and growing from their their past that might not have been so great Mm-hmm. And, and this, this, that's a great question. And it's, and it's huge because, um, so I'll tell you how this, how the changeover basically started. Um, talking to one of my, the friends of mine, he has a, a son and he was talking about how, um, his son is about eight years old. And he said that it's really hard for him to, you know, relate and be there for his son all the time. And I didn't understand what he was talking about because my father's always been there. So I, I don't think I've, I ever, appreciated it until I talked to my friends that didn't have fathers around. And he was telling me that sometimes he just go home and cry because he didn't know what he was teaching his son was the correct thing. And I, and it, and it blew my mind. Cause I said, wow, if he's never been taught something, how does he know how to teach this? What, like, what is, what, what can he do? And I told him, and I called him later on day. I said, you know what? You're going to be the changeover. Look in the dictionary to see what changeover meant. And it said just to change, to do something different. And I said, wow, this is, you can change your legacy. Like this can be, a word that we can use to change the whole trajectory of like your whole family's lifeline is the, if you change, then everybody else behind you changes. And, and if you go to any kind of, you know, what people say, the projects or the hood, if you go to these places, a lot of times it's the grandmothers lived, or the great grandmothers lived in a the house. Then the grandmother took it over. Then the mother took it over. Then, you know, the son or whoever else has taken it over, but the house stays in the family because everybody's been in the same, in the same house. Right. How do you change that if, if your whole legacy has been one thing, you know? And my, my thought was you have to see yourself as whatever you decide you want to create and want to become, you see yourself as that, right? And the biggest thing is um, connecting to the mentorship piece in there. But the thing is to find somebody that is, is what you want to become. And once you find somebody that's what you want to become, you model after them. You find that. So for example, my dad, is to me probably the most amazing man in the world, right? And it's going to be funny, but I've never seen my dad do anything wrong. And, and I've literally never seen him look at somebody and say, oh, what, what, are, they, what are they wearing? He, I've never heard him cuss, never nothing. Everything he does is um, about positivity and uplifting. And um, when I went to college, one of my friends, uh, his dad was, I think his dad was a pimp and his mom was a prostitute. Um, and they gave him up to his grandmother. And then he left his grandmother when he was about 14. So this kid was living on his own till he's in college. So he's in college and, and we're doing things and we became really close. And he came to my house one time and he was talking about how he didn't have a car. He didn't know what to do. My dad. And, and so I'll tell you, my parents aren't, they're not the most wealthy people in the world. You know, they're regular middle-class people that struggle just like everybody else, but also can pay their bills. 
he was talking about his struggles, how he's never really been given anything, never been a, got a gift or, or he, and he doesn't have a car. My parents decided to give him their car. And this was in 2000 and maybe two. And they gave him a 98 Intrepid. So a fairly newer car. And they decided just to give him their car because they felt like he needed something. And this kid cried and cried and cried. And now this man has two kids and he is probably the best father ever. And he does everything. And he always credits that just from that moment that my dad gave him that car. Cause he said, he realized that people are, do care about him. And there is people that are important. And just cause he saw somebody caring for somebody else. Now he knows how to care for other people. And that's a simple, simple thing that happened that changed his whole entire life. Gotcha, and just what I'm saying is you can be the changeover based on just modeling somebody else's um, actions. Awesome. And then it, it also takes, we'll talk about this later too, but it takes someone who's, you know, let's quote unquote, got it together, got it together to reach out and help someone who needs that, that change. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, we'll talk that about, about that in a sec. Well, let's go back to this. Mm-hmm. I just, cause I, I read this about you and I thought this was really interesting. So you, you, you talked about failure. And that's a big part of every man's life. They're going to have big setbacks in life. Can you tell us about a big setback in your life that you had to overcome and how did you handle it? Yeah. So, um, wow. So I have actually, yeah, I've had, I've had a huge setback in my life. Um, it basically changed everything about me. When I was in college, I, I played baseball. I was in Missouri. I did actually really well playing baseball and I thought I was going to be drafted. Um, and a lot of other people thought I was going to be drafted. I actually was traveling around different places to perform for different teams when I was in college. At that time, out of nowhere, my liver failed. I, I didn't understand why because I didn't drink. You know, usually when you when you think about liver failure, you think about somebody who's an alcoholic. And for, I had never tasted alcohol in my life. So it was very awkward for me to have an issue where my liver was, had failed. And at that time, I didn't know what to do. I was taking – I worked out a lot, and I was taking um, a pill – that I thought was just, you know, over-the-counter pill, thought it'd be fine. Come to find out the pill had a steroid in it, but not a steroid to, like, get you stronger, but a steroid to kill you. So my liver failed, and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went from 245 to 145 in a month. My bones had kind of deteriorated so much that I can barely even walk. So I was in a wheelchair and, and trying to get by every day, and it, it was just, it was horrible. Doctor came into my room and told me that there was a possibility I can die. And he told me that if I wanted to get a liver transplant, they would have to seek out somebody that had the same, you know, liver as me. And I decided that I didn't want that. I said, you know, if, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Because he told me that if I got a liver transplant and the person was a smoker or something like that, the, their traits, I might inherit those traits. And I decided, no, that's nothing I want to do. I'm going to just, you know, hopefully, hopefully just make it. I was blessed and I, and I made it. After I made it, I went back to try to play baseball again in the NCAA my first game of the season, I, I was on the, we were playing um, at the Metrodome in Minnesota, and I was getting ready to go on the field, and my coach got a call saying that the NCAA is not going to let me play because I had taken a steroid. So I didn't understand because I said, that, I didn't know anything about it being a steroid. My doctor wrote letters to him and said, Jareem didn't take a steroid, it was, or the steroid wasn't a, it wasn't a steroid to boost him working out. It was a steroid that kills him. The NCAA still wouldn't let me play, and they basically said that they, it wasn't that what I was taking was negative, but they had to basically make an example out of me, a, a good player that, you know, that was taking something that shouldn't, that I shouldn't have been taking. So at that time I did, had no idea what I was going to do. I was stuck. I said, all I thought I was going to do is ever play baseball. So I came back home 
I've been working with youth over the summer. I, I come out and help out at different programs. And I said, you know what, let me just help out my community, start working with students. And I realized that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And that's why I got sick so that I can come out here and, and be a blessing to these young men. So I definitely had a huge setback, but that, oh, that setback basically was really a setup for this huge success about changing lives of young men. And how do you avoid, I mean, did you get angry? I mean, and if, if not, like, what did you do to like, so, not get angry? Like, I mean, I could see myself just so totally I, getting angry at the world, God, like the NCAA, like, yeah, no, no, it, oh no, it was, it was, it was complete. Like when they first, I was completing, cause you know, as, as a, you know, 20 year old baseball player, you're thinking this is all you're going to do. And I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Um, and I was angry, you know, and, and I won't, and to this day, I won't say that I'm angry now. I wish I could know what the possibility would have been, but I feel like everything happened exactly how it's supposed to happen. So at that time I was angry. Um, but I think the anger changed about two and a half months later after I came back home. And I think I was also embarrassed because I was saying, how can they say that I took a steroid? And I didn't take a steroid. You know, when I look at steroids, I think about players, you know, like Mark McGuire, people that were, intentionally taking steroids to get better. And that wasn't me. So I was really frustrated. Um, but, but when I came back home and I went and worked with, I think it was my first student. I um, went into a, I was a P teacher. I went to a kindergarten class and I had this kindergartner circle up and we were just dancing around and doing little moves. And I had them um, play Foursquare. And it was my first day and my teacher, I mean, one of the students, a five-year-old boy said, you're the best teacher we've ever had. And this is my first day. And I said, wow, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and that's when everything just kind of started. And I just stayed with that and I ended up running solos and doing different things because I felt like that's what I had to be doing. And I love it now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you found another opportunity and you took it. Yes. Gotcha. And also, I guess another lesson is don't be like the guys out there. Cause I know a lot of our guys work out and they do like, be careful the supplements you take. Cause... Oh my goodness, please. Yeah, please. They, um, they actually, um, they end up having me as a spokesperson, um, for, um, a lot of different things. I had to go speak, speak on Capitol Hill, um, about supplements. A lot of things that I found out is that if things aren't actually, you can go into GNC and say, Hey, I want you to sell my product and they can sell it. It doesn't have to be FDA approved for them to sell it at GNC, which is incredible. Like that blows my mind. I'm like, how can a corporation be able to sell whatever they want, you know, without, without it going through some type of, you know, regulations and they, and they don't have to. Yeah. There's, there's really so, no um, regulation there. Like you can pretty much slap a label on anything and anything. It's crazy. And the, the guy that was selling my product was actually making it out of his, um, out of the, the, the trunk of his uh, car, he had a, he has a, a minivan. He was making a product out of the trunk of his minivan and sold in in, in two weeks. He sold one point five million dollars from this supplement Jeez, that like, he made out of the trunk of his car. Crazy, like they are. They're selling this at GNC, yeah. Amazon, yep. whatever. So yeah, that's another thing. That there's that's something if you guys do it. If you take supplements, be careful of the supplements you you take. Definitely. So watch, watch out for that. Let's talk about male friendship. What what role mm -hmm. has male friendship played in your life and be shaping the man you are? I, I, uh, so I'll give you an example. A long time ago, I was struggling with something uh, basically about friends supporting me. I, I had an event and, I, and my friends weren't supporting it. And um, I was venting to another friend about, you know, the issue I had with that. And he said, dream, you have to understand 
because you support everybody else, that doesn't mean that everybody's reality is going to be your reality or, or your reality is not going to be everybody else's reality. And it made so much sense to me. And, and I couldn't, at that time I was like, wow, what, why is he saying that? But afterwards I thought about what he meant by that. And basically these people weren't on the same path as me. Not that they weren't still my friends, but they sometimes friendship is not based on longevity. Like I've, like I've always thought, like if I've had, if you were my friend for 20 years, I feel like you should be my friend for the rest of my life, you know? And a lot of times is friends are here for seasons. So that might've been, you know, a five, a good five year season, but I might have another friend that's here that pushes me and helps me grow. So I think every friendship is about what can they give to your life to make you better and make you stronger. And, and I would also say, never stop being yourself. Like don't allow anybody else to make you not be yourself, you know, find friends that appreciate who you are and help you strive to do what you want to do in the past and don't hold your past over, over your head. Let's end this talking about male mentorship. This is, this is how it all started. Mm-hmm. I'd like to end with this. I know there's a lot of guys out there who would like to start mentoring. Like it's something they feel like they, they want to do, but they're not sure mm-hmm. how to do it. Any advice for the guys out there who would like to start mentoring? Yeah. I, I, for me, mentorship is the most important thing you can do and, and you can get out of it. So mentorship always is not about the young person or even the older person. It's, it's about yourself. Right. And I don't want to take it as selfish, but mentorship can be selfish sometimes because what you don't know is that you're getting so much out of it. Right. Kids have literally changed my life based on me just hearing things they say and the thoughts that they have about themselves. And then it it creates things that I say, oh, you know what? I have that same thought about myself. You know, so how do I help them? And and I'm struggling, too. So it's it's very powerful. Um, Actually, currently, I'm trying to create a platform for mentors for people that share the same goal. So I'm trying to create some type of online thing where men can become mentors. If you're a young person and you want to be a doctor, you can, you can go on this website and you can talk to a doctor about your thoughts and the doctor give you feedback about how you can become what you want to become. Um, I think it's really important for all men to get into some, and even if you're not, even if you feel like you're not successful yet, you still need to be in some type of mentorship because what you have, you can always share with somebody else and help somebody else out. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I've had, Guys say that like I want a mentor, but like I'm 30 years old and like I feel like I need a mentor, right? And I got why, why yep. should I be out there mentoring these kids when I think I need a mentor? Even those type of guys should try to try mentoring out. Definitely, and and I actually have a mentor now. You know, I'm 33 or my 34. No, I'm 33, <laughs> but I'm 33, and I still to this day have a mentor. I feel like you never stop. There's always going to be somebody that knows more than you about what you want to do. And maybe it's not even what you want to do, but you might see somebody you say, you know what, I want to be that one day. So that becomes your mentor. You talk to them, see if they'd be your mentor. I have mentors now to this day, and I'm this age, and I mentor, I literally have about 20 to 25 young men that I mentor to this day. So I think it's really, and I, I don't encourage anybody to get that many because it's really hard to maintain those relationships because mentorships should be personal. So I would say grab, try one young man and try to mentor that young man. And also get you a mentor also that can also give you the tools that you need. So I think it's, 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 it's every platform you, be, you come to, people need mentors. And uh, Dream, this has been a great conversation. Where can people learn more about the book and your work? Yeah. So my book is actually on my website. It's not on Amazon. I know a lot of people ask about it. It's on Amazon. And the reason it's not on Amazon is because Amazon, I, I created a product and I felt like the quality is very, very high. And when I put it on Amazon, the quality doesn't won't stay as high as it is. 
Um, so the, uh, it's only on my website currently, and that's www.themanbook.org. Um, so themanbook.org. If you want to know more information about it, please uh, contact me. If you uh, people need speaking engagements, please contact me. I've, I've been traveling a lot recently. But whatever, whatever I can do and, and to share the story of the man book and to change young men's life, I'm, I'm willing to do. Awesome. Well, Dream Gunter, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. My guest today was Dream Gunter. He's the author of the book, The Man Book, and you can find that on themanbook.org. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, help us get feedback on how we can improve the show, as well as help spread the word about the show. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.